This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. The award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. The Norris Group proudly presents our 15th annual award-winning event, I Survived Real Estate. Industry experts join Bruce Norris to discuss evolving industry trends, real estate bubbles, inflation, and opportunities emerging for real estate professionals. All proceeds from the event benefit Make-A-Wish and St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. See isurvivedrealestate.com for event details, information on all our generous sponsors, and to connect with our speakers. We want to thank our Platinum Partners. San Diego Creative Investors Association, U Direct IRA Services, White Feather Investments, The Collective Genius, MVT Productions, and Realty 411. Hi, welcome back to the Norris Group Real Estate Radio Show and Podcast. Once again, we are joined by Rony Award winner, John Schaub. Hope you enjoy. Um, how did you get involved teaching other people? Because that's not always what real estate investors do. It's rarely what investors do. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. You know, like I, I look back to my uh, high school speech class and, and what a dunce I was there. You know, I, I didn't like standing in front of a crowd. I didn't like talking to people. Me neither. And, and most people don't. You know, most that's a big fear that a lot of people have. But yeah. I, I took a class while I was in college to get my broker's license, a salesman's license. And it was taught by a fellow. His name was Burt Rogers. And uh, he had a statewide organization of, of uh, teaching, and he would teach people how to get their real estate license. Well, I like this guy. And he was funny. He taught really well. So I got to know him a little bit. And he hired me after I got out of college to start teaching for him. So I started teaching the class to people who wanted to get a real estate license. And, uh, and I had a good time doing it, you know, because it was, it was information I really understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one nice thing about teaching is you really have to understand the information you're, you're putting out because people are going to ask you questions about it. You know, if you're just reading off a cue card <laughs> and you don't, you don't know what the words mean, you're in trouble. You know, uh, that, that statement is so true. Um, I am a big proponent of that. I, when someone does a presentation, you haven't told me anything about what you know. It's Q and A that I know. Yeah, 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 and uh, and you know, and, and that's a fun thing about teaching, I think, and that's why I love teaching to this day is because people do ask you questions, they challenge you, and some of my most successful students, I could just see this person sitting in the class would challenge me all about on every point, you know, did not agree, and we we'd wrestle all the way through the class. <laughs> and then she came back into the class again and came back into the class again. And uh, finally, the lights went on, you know, and uh, she bought into the program. And today she's my most successful student by far. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Well, you know, you guys teach, uh, you and Pete teach every year at once a year. Is that we try to, we try to, you know, the, the COVID thing threw us a loop and we did a zoom class one time, but we did get together this year in the spring and taught a class. And it was a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll do that again next year. What percentage of your audience would you say is repeat? Oh, I'd say two thirds. Yeah, that's what big, I big chunk, big chunk. Now that's a huge compliment. Yeah, right. Well, they like to come back. We're we're somewhat entertaining, I think. But you know, we're we're in the business, and we like what we do, and we're good at it. So we tell real stories, and we tell people what we're doing now. You know, you know. So they uh, they say you guys have done it well. 
uh, we, you know, if we do what you're doing, we'll probably be okay. Well, and you're different too. Your approach is different. So it's a, it's an interesting combination, yours and yours and his. In oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I are totally different people. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fun to watch that that pairing in a day, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. we love each other. We're good friends, but I mean, we are totally different, <laughs> and that is fun because we just see things differently. Well, you know, we had a seminar one time where we put Jack Fullerton was was part of the five people because they were very successful, but approached the business so differently because of their, their skill. Mm -hmm. So Jack was literally door knocking everything he owns in Orange County. You know, when he, when he was here, he door knocked and, and did it that way. So when we had this uh, three day event, he went out with people in a neighborhood, you know, and did what he did. And there was a guy that door knocked foreclosures and that was, that was his thing. And, and it was interesting because there was a, what I was trying to say is you got to match maybe your skill set and your personality with maybe one of these, not worry about doing all of them, but doing the one that matches you, you know? So that was, that was fun. Yeah. That's good advice. Jack Miller, um, getting, you know, getting the Roni award this year. Yes. Yes. That's wonderful. And, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's, it's an interesting story. Mike Cantu told me a story one time and I could relate to it. I, I had a deal I wanted to put together and, and Jack Miller, I'd never heard his name before. And he was teaching a class on options. And so I took the class and we started the class. I'm ready to, you know, follow along in the book. It's the first seminar that I ever took. Well, he didn't follow the book. <laughs> he never followed the book. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so later, and I'm thinking, well, this is not good. And then, so I talked to Mike Hantu years later and he said, I love taking Jack Mills classes because there's always two seminars, one, the one, one that's in the book and the one that he gives. And I laughed. I said, Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> well, Jack and I taught together for seven years. We probably taught 50 or 60 classes over a seven year period of time. And we had a really good manual, but he would never use it. So he would talk for about an hour. And then I get up and I cover what was in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, uh, it's like Pete and I teaching, but you know, Jack and I were totally different too. We had a lot of fun together. He was, he had a great sense of humor and uh, you know, he was just a lot of fun to teach with. Yeah. Well, that's uh, you know, Mike Cantu and I, we kind of grew up into investing in California mm -hmm. similar. I'm a little older, but we started kind of at the same time. And, you know, so we've had plenty of lunches and stuff and uh, Jack Miller is his favorite trainer. And that's a pretty yeah. high compliment. Uh, yeah, well, Miller was one of a kind. I mean, there's, there's no other, there'll never be another Jack Miller. He was just, he was fast. He, he was like taking the sip out of a fire hydrant because he could just go for hours with new ideas. You know, you, you, no way you could write this stuff down. Uh, Jack and I taught a class up in Salt Lake City back in the 70s, and a fellow by the name of Bob Allen took the class. And uh, Bob was taking copious notes in the back of the room. <laughs> and, uh, and he took the class again. He took it back to back, took it twice in a row. And I wrote a book called uh, uh, Nothing Down, which is a great book. But, you know, he was trying to write down stuff Jack said, which is impossible to do. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you had a transcript, it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, okay, well, no wonder I felt lost that day. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's really hard to follow. And I, and I used to kid Jack, I said, uh, you know, you, you get exactly the same people in the room over and over again because they're still trying to figure out what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, that was me too. That's why I talked with him for years. I'm trying to figure out what he was talking about. But he was a very interesting guy. 
very interesting. When um, when I took that class, I, I really had a specific transaction in mind. And because I didn't really leave knowing how to do an option, I, I asked the guy to carry carry the note, which he did. <laughs> yeah, close. It's close. Yeah, but yeah that's, that's a funny outcome. Well, um, you've got you've got an event that you're going to be teaching in Vegas and you're going to teach with Pete, uh, teach, <laughs> teach with Pete again, uh, spring of next year. What, what impact do you see interest rates having on, uh, on prices, I guess, first of all? Yeah. Well, I think people will get used to them after a while. I've always argued that the availability of credit is more important than the pricing of credit. If people can get a loan, uh, they're not as, as excited about what the interest rates are as whether or not they get the house, you know? So you, you show somebody a new car, they really <laughs> rarely ask what the interest rate is. They want that new car. You know? They want that new red Corvette or whatever it is, and they'll sign anything to get it. And I, I, the house business is a little bit like that. And, you know, when, when houses uh, were, were selling back in the, I bought a lot of houses in the, in the late seventies and early eighties. And I bought 16 in one year in 81, I think. And every one of those houses had a 14% loan on them. And they were new houses. They were all brand new. They were builder owned. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get that kind of opportunity. The challenge is now is that the builders, especially around here, are building more expensive houses. You know, very, very few of them are building a, like a 13 or 14 or 1500 square foot house that, that they could build for a couple hundred thousand dollars. They're building houses a lot bigger than that. Uh, what are you building down south? What are you building a, a fairly basic house, or are they uh, are they designed to, to to sell right away? Well, there's two thoughts on that. So on, in uh, Rotunda, we're doing flipping. Okay, so you're so not that means, any of those. Yeah. No, but so we studied. Uh, this is a builder that came out from California that I've done business with for years, and the wife uh, of the builder is a real estate agent. I said, let's let's spend some months and analyze what pays the most in amenity and let's build that. And so we, we landed on, okay, uh, if you're going to have a, a higher priced home, it's got to have a pool, got to have a great uh, enclosed pool area, like atrium, um, you know, high ceilings. There's just a few things that we did three third car garage. So that's what we build for spec. Okay. Um, then there's another group. Now the whole other group of homes is under construction for California investors to have as rentals. So they're getting out of some of their stuff in California. Cause that's how that came about. Just, you know, getting a call, somebody saying, can, can you meet with me and look at my portfolio? And I'm looking at the portfolio and oh, 70, 80% of what they had as rentals would be the exact house you would not own because of area condition, you know, and all that stuff. And so that's what led me to believe. And by the way, that's how I ended up with Florida was the ability to sell the junk that I had in the lousy locations to get new houses. Okay. So that was what was attractive to me. And then I found out, okay, there's, there's a demand for that. So all of those homes were, there's, it varies. You could have a 1400 square foot home to about 2000 square foot home. Okay. And the ratio of rent probably getting a five or six cap rate on a brand new house, but they're bringing something that's, you know, way 
gone up in value and that's 70 years old in California. So that's why all that makes sense. Sure. sure. So the two models, those are all pre-sold mm -hmm. in, in Cape Coral where the other ones that are spec and you know, what's interesting. And this is, uh, it's, it's so frustrating when you hear the news. So I don't know if you had much for sale in 2022, but prices changed so radically because there was no inventory. And one of the last houses that we had for sale, when we started construction, we thought it was a five and a quarter house. When we put it up for sale, wrong house, four and a quarter. When we put it up for sale, we put it up for five and a quarter. We thought, okay, that's the new number. Well, the a bidding war ensued in, inside of four hours. There were 11 cash offers and one VA offer. The VA offer kept on raising his price to 577. So he was the winning bidder, but three other buyers bought 577, paid 577 for houses that were also under construction nearing completion. Right. So that, yeah, but what I'm saying is that's what happened. So the, the real number was never 577. I'm not sure it was five and a quarter. So, so now when you hear the news, oh, prices are down by 10%, that should have never occurred that 10%. Right. So really are we, is anybody that's in the building business suffering? There's no way. There's just no way the margins from where, if they're coming down, they're coming down from a number that was never imagined when they started construction. Yeah. So that's what's interesting to me. And that, you know, and another thing about the damage that's possible, 80% uh, of mortgages in place are 4% or less. What would induce those people to sign up for a 7% mortgage? Uh, uh, only a better house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? But you know, and maybe, well, and see Florida is in a, in a, in an interesting position because is it possible to have a mortgage in New York and sell it and come here and not have a mortgage? The answer is yeah. Sure. sure. So your Florida is in that unique price range where it can get a recipient from other States and they can improve their position by not having a loan. See California can't do that. Yep. There's no way. So I think, I think it's really possible. We're going to have sales maybe go down by almost half. I think cash buyers will represent 50% of the market. And that's why I don't know how much price damage we're going to have. Cause I think so much inventory will not show up that well, demand. The sales are down 50%. You're saying the number of houses sold will, will drop. Not, not, not prices. Oh no, not prices. Because no. I think, I, no. I think there's, do you think there's going to be a glut of foreclosures this time? Not as many, not as many, because we don't have all the, right now anyway, we don't have all the second mortgages. We don't have all the speculation going on and that may come, you know, people may, may uh, refinance their houses. Uh, but I, I, as you point out, you know, you, you've got all this the large percentage with low interest rate loans and there's another big chunk that was all cash, you know, probably almost half of our sales were all cash for a long time. So right. you know, free and clear houses and low interest rates that that's going to stabilize the market. Yeah. Well, even if you lose your job, okay. Let's say you live in Florida, you lose your job and I got Okay. I got to go to Michigan and let's say you're in a negative equity position. It would rent for a cash flow. If you had a 4% mortgage or less. It would. It. it would. Yeah. So you don't lose it. No, Just say, okay. No. Well, I'll keep it. No, 
know, the last house I sold is a house that, that we we loaned a flipper money during the last uh, run up and he forgot to pay us back. So we held it for a while and then we remodeled it and sold it. But the lady bought it and got a three and a half percent loan. And I thought she lived there forever. She lived there for two years and moved out and rented it. She got $1,500 a month cash flow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, you know, to your point, those low interest rate loans are gold. Well, I think, you know, I think that'll be the buffer. You know, uh, we, we were invited to go speak uh, with the CEO of Fannie Mae one-on-one uh, -on, -one on a lunch last year. And the topic came up about, you got to figure a way to let these loans go forward to the another buyer. Because when it happens that interest rates change, if you get, if you let three and 4% mortgages stay in place, then you will save the real estate uh, business. Because right now, you know, what we just said sort of casually is half of the people that are realtors aren't going to have a job. If the volume is half, it's not going to be healthy right, right. for right. lending or for realtors. So the, the existing loan base, if it could move, it would be a really big deal. But sometimes practical things don't get accomplished very well. Well, and people make emotional decisions about money all the time, and people will sell and pay off some of those 3 and 4% loans, which is foolish, but they'll do that because they want to move to a different town or buy a bigger house or whatever, whatever, you know, life changes. Sure. So, so you know, some of those people will hold them forever, but I bet you not many. <laughs> well, that'll be interesting. You know, that's... Uh... So that, you know, that's, we just finished doing a report this, this spring. Uncharted territory was the name of it. And it really kind of was spur of the moment when I thought, wow, I, I better, I better write something about this because what we've never had in place is this predominant low interest rate loan. And, uh, but we also, we also got to a price we shouldn't have gotten to as well. So California, the median price almost touched 900 grand. Yep. And, um, okay. Is that sustainable at 7%? Uh, no. <laughs> so that's the challenge is, are, are we going to, are we going to have a 40% price hit? And if, if we're not, what's going to prevent it? And so, you know, that's basically where my brain went is thinking about, okay, what, what could happen? But the news media is, you know, they're like foreclosures increasing by a thousand percent. Okay. Well, what does that mean? They went from three to yeah, thirty. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's they're not a dominant player in the market. Yeah, but you get news headlines saying stuff like that. But yeah. well, uh, don't don't get your information from the newspaper. But think back to the seventies. Now you were a young boy in the seventies, but I was there and, and in business full time. We had a lot of loans that had seven percent interest rates on them, and they went up right. 13, 14, 15 percent. Now, not many people bought up there, but some people did. I did. Uh, but but it, it didn't crash the market. I mean, the, the, those 7% loans are all gone now. They, every one of them has been paid off. And of course, all the 14% loans have been paid off. But, but you know, there's, there's a sort of an orderly transition to this, and, and people will get used to the rates. I really believe that a 7% mortgage is about where it belongs. <laughs> you know? I, I agree with you, because the other yeah. side of that is somebody that saves money uh, that wants to get a four or 5% yield on a 10 year T bill instead of getting a half a percent. That's right. That's right. So it, it's going to, it's moving money around, you know, it, it's, uh, it's rewarding the savers for a while and it's rewarding the people that own things free and clear. And, uh, uh, but uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I try not to get too excited about what might happen because you never know what's going to happen. You know, when it, when it happens, then I get, a, then I get interested. <laughs> <laughs> then I come up with a strategy. Well, 
Yeah, I've, I've been in the business of looking forward and saying, this is what I think is going to happen. And I'll tell you what, when you put, when you put stuff in writing, you're stuck with it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Got to defend it now. <laughs> but it's fun. I, I, I like taking that risk. Yeah, I really do. Well, and you take a risk when you go out and build a bunch of new houses on spec. I mean, that's, that's a much bigger risk than writing a report. <laughs> well, I guess that's true. Um, that's uh, all. If, okay. Worst case scenarios, I keep them. That was all thought that way out. Uh, thought that way too. You know, yeah. so what does this thing cost me? What does it rent for? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm okay. So, well, and, and you're in the right part of the world because you're right on the edge of where things really went bad. And uh, so there's a lot of people that want to buy houses where you're building yeah. because they're still there. You know? Well, see, that's the thing. I, I, I first, my first venture in Florida was in 92 with uh, hurricane Andrew. That was a complete accident. Uh, my bet one of my best friend, Alex Navarro, I taught him the business in, in California and he moved to Miami. And he was running an ad in the newspaper that he bought houses. And uh, then the hurricane hit about a month later, he calls me up. He said, can you fly out here? Cause I'm, I'm here. I'm just getting chance to buy these houses at 20 cents on the dollar. People got their insurance check. And so I flew out and it was just visually so negative yep. that I, I had to call where the other, there was a hurricane Hugo that had happened a few years before that. So I talked to the real estate people when I talked to the building department and found out, okay, a year later, everything was wonderful. So what had happened to people, you know, you have all this damage, so many thousands of homes damaged. So you have two inefficiencies. You have the building department having very inexperienced people seeing houses that look terrible, that are not structurally damaged, but they red tag them. And then you have the insurance agent react to the red tag by writing a check for the full policy amount. But then an investor looks at it and go, well, this is nothing. This is a drywall and blow, you know, blown in insulation and bloated cabinets. And so it really created an amazing opportunity, but it was really good for the owner too, because how is an owner after hurricane major hurricane going to get a roofer? Yep. Yep. They're not. So they want to move. They want to move out. So it created an interesting opportunity and we bought our share of homes that way. And uh, so but this is honestly 30 years later, this is the first time an opportunity like that uh, has presented itself where the hurricane was severe enough that did that. So. Bruce, can I, can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. Uh, getting back to the teaching a little bit, um, John, uh, you sent a great video about Jack Miller and how he closed the, the event with, you know, his story about an oyster and eagle. Um, but my question to you is for anybody who comes to your seminar, what is the one takeaway that you want everybody to leave with? Well, I, I like them to leave with the idea that, that, that they could buy a house. You know, a lot of people have never bought a house for an investment. So I want them to go out and buy that first house for an investment and just see how, how good or bad it is, you know, have that experience because it's one thing to talk about it. And it's certainly another thing to do it. Uh, and you know, you can, you can draw a parallel to public speaking. You know, people are scared to death to stand up in front of a crowd and talk. Well, a lot of people are scared to go out and buy a house and negotiate that and rent to a tenant. That's a very scary thing to most people. So we're trying to give them the tools, uh, so that they can go out and, and identify and, and take some of the fear out of this with the information about values and 
teach them how to manage and how to find a tenant that'll actually pay the rent and not tear up their house and you know just teach them uh, the skills that they need to have to uh to survive you know you don't have to do anything fancy in this business but you do need to survive <laughs> you know if you, if you can hang in there for 10 or 15 years you can make a lot of mistakes as long as you're still doing it 10 or 15 years from now and you learn from your mistakes you'll probably make a lot of money in spite of yourself changing it'll be fun to teach because there's more to talk about now yeah it'll be definitely a different skill level and also subject to is taking over those low interest rate loans that will definitely be a, a play a lot of opportunity yep all right nice talking with you john okay take care bye, -bye. Hey, bye we'd also like to thank our gold sponsors chase leland photography inland valley association of realtors keystone cpa inc L.A. South RIA, Lavis Tax Wealth Management, NorCal RIA, NSDREI, Pasadena Phoebe, Tony Alvarez, White House Catering, Wilson Investments, Windermere Tower Realty. See iSurvivedRealEstate.com for event details, information on all our generous supporters, and to connect with our speakers. For more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit tngtrustdeeds.com. The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE License 01219911, Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the hard money tab.